um, the entire month. We've been talking about breakthrough. And how many of you really, like, you can, like, list what you've received breakthrough in? And so we are so excited about where we are as a body. But how many of you know that there's a such thing as getting breakthrough and then losing it? Sometimes all of the momentum that we're able to gain and pick up, um, a lot of times if we don't steward it correctly, we'll find ourselves right back where we were. And so we've done well as a church to offer deliverance. We've done well as a church to administer mass deliverance and to talk about breakthrough and to preach you into that place. But we have not yet seen the sustained breakthrough as a promise that God has given to us. And so we said this time it would be different and it will be because we are going to be intentional, not just about that glimmer of hope, but about making it stick. And so I want you to take notes today. And if you're not a note taker, you need to commit to going back to the app and listening to these steps. I want you to become focused and look for yourself in the message. A lot of times we don't look for ourselves in the message. We're like, that message is great. But you don't look for yourself in it. So as you hear this message today, I literally want you to look for yourself. And it may be in something that I say, but it may not be in something I say. It may be something I say that triggers Holy Spirit to say something specific to you. So you need to be open to that. You're going to have to listen to both today. So you'll listen to what God gave me for the body. But you also will listen as Holy Spirit will tailor this message specifically for you. He'll do it. But you have to be open to listening to it. Okay. And so Matthew 12 and 43, it says, Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. This is why we get this sense of not even wanting to delve into breakthrough or not even wanting to uncover things because it seems like things just get so messy after that. Um, Jessica and I were watching this, this awful show um, that uh, one of her coworkers had suggested. And um, uh, thank you for the band. It's called Tidying Up or something like that. And um, I mean, just terrible. She, she, and she talking to the house and stuff. I was like, okay. All right. But one of the things um, that they pointed out, and if you've ever done like a deep cleaning of your home, you realize that things will get messier before they actually look better. And so you feel like I've done all of this work, hours and hours and days and days of work. And before you know it, you can become so exhausted that you just want to take everything, put it back in the closet and close the door. Because at least in that case, you were actually ready for company. You know what I mean? 
and our spirit as we're cleaning our our house our body as the house um something sometimes we will fall into that where we just don't want to do the work anymore because it's like wow now that I've gotten deliverance from this and I've uncovered this it seems like this is coming up and this is coming up and then now I'm also dealing with embarrassment of it coming up and then it seems like as soon as I got deliverance from it I ran into this person and there are all these things that start to happen but it's part of the process and so maintaining our um, deliverance the only way that we won't maintain it or sustain it is if we leave the house unoccupied it says that everything was swept everything was in order but it gave this sense or this idea that now this was vacant and ready to be filled whether it's intentional or not, your house, this body needs to remain filled because that's the way that the body operates. Now, what you fill it with is your choice and you have to be intentional about it. Uh, when the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, um, we may think that that was the hardest part, but it was not. The hardest part was changing their state of mind because long after they were actually delivered out of the hand of Egypt, the mental bondage that they were in was almost worse than physically being in that place. And so for many of us, we received deliverance, but and then the mental torment came after that. The greatest tool for sustaining your deliverance is hope. We believe in faith. We read about faith. We declare in faith. But your faith must be tested. Your faith must go to trial. When Moses was leading the people in the Red Sea, there was a trial, an entire courtroom that was established before they entered into that Red Sea. And they had to make a decision at this time if their faith could stand the trial because they could not see what was on the other side. And it appeared as though they were going to be swallowed up, but they had to step out in faith. For many of us, when our faith is tested, we take that as a lack of faith. But you cannot take a test unless there's content that has been presented. And so without content, there will be no test. And so if you didn't have faith, then your faith would not be being tested. And so the presence of a test means it's go time. That means it's show time. And the show is going to be in his favor. And it says in the Bible that there shall be a performance. And the performance is going to be on your behalf. And so don't get scared of the stage. Don't get scared of the lights because the performance is for his glory. If you don't let his glory have a stage, then you are taking away from the testimony and the display of what he wants to do through your life. Apostle talked to us about doors and how spirits come through and um, these doors. He didn't get into the windows, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. We'll focus on the doors. Um, some people I find are, you know, super cautious and it's great. You know, sometimes I lock the door and sometimes I don't, you know, I, you know, that's probably a bad habit, but it's true. Other people, you go to their house, knock on the door, 
takes them five minutes to open the door. Why? Because they got like the chain, they got the dead ball, they got the lock, the twisty one, but then they got the knob too, and then they got the little kickstand at the bottom, you know what I mean? And so it's like they got all, the, you know, they are ready for what would come to their door. For many of us, we clean house, but we leave the door open. Nobody is going to sweep their house on a windy day and leave the door wide open. We wouldn't even leave the door cracked because even if you leave the door cracked, then it's possible that it will easily just fly open with the wind. So some of us, the door is open. Some of us, the door is cracked. And for some of us, the door is closed, but you like me, you didn't lock it. We got to make sure that we close the door. What does close the door mean? Well, when we look in the word, it talks about separating yourself from the accursed thing. If we know how spirits gain their entrance, then we have to be on guard. And so you learned last week about how it got there. And so now that you're aware about how it got there, you have to be religious in the deadbolt, the chain, the super lock, the kickstand at the bottom. And even the, uh, the little, when we lived in Tulsa, we had the little beanie bag that went all the way across so you didn't get the draft. You know what I'm saying? You had like the little beanie bag because you just want to be sure there wasn't nothing coming up under that door. So what does that look like? Separating yourself from the accursed thing. You have to steer away from anything that looks like what you came out of. And we as believers, we, you know, it's funny because we're not really that compassionate. But all of a sudden, when it comes to playing with the devil, we get real compassionate. So now you're like so worried about the people you left behind. And you're like so worried about the people who are stuck in that you just feel so called to them. No, no, no. You are two seconds out of it. Let somebody else have compassion for them. Trust me, God is a good God. He is a great God. We are all his children. He's going to send somebody for them too. So let your compassion work on yourself first. Look at your family line and all the cycles you've been stuck in for the last 25, 35, 45 years. And have compassion and mercy on yourself. In, in Joshua's case, we see the story of Joshua and the fact that they were commanded in, in Joshua not to take any of the enemy's goods. They were commanded not to take any of them. Then we see in another case um, where the lepers, they were commanded to take um, just necessities and they were not supposed to take an excess of it. And so the, the directions were slightly different there, but still there were directions. For many of us, we want the benefits of sin, but we want to live a life rid of sin. But we like the attention of sin. We like the money that comes with sin. We like the comfort that comes with sin. And so it's not really a problem getting rid of the sin. You don't know how to deal with the spoils of the sin. And so for you, some of you, the directions are take your hands off the spoil. I don't care if y'all bought a car together. I don't care if you bought a house together. I don't care if your savings accounts are together. Walk away. Give it up. 
walk away from the car, walk away from the connections, walk away from the platform, walk away from the door, because you are leaving a door open for it to come back into your life. You have to properly deal with the spoils. When God delivers you and you obtain victory in every area of your life, you have to have an ear to hear the instructions. He will never clean your house and not tell you the next steps. He will always tell you the next steps. Now, whether you ignore them or not, that is up to you. You must be committed to break old ties. Soul ties, any ties. One of the first things that you need to do after you receive deliverance is clean out your phone and clean up your social media. Delete every trace of the text and then block it so that you're not tempted when it comes up again. And I know that's extreme. And funny story, when Jesus went to the cross, that was pretty extreme too. So I think we just serve an extreme God. Yeah. When I look at my life and the blessings and the deliverance that he's given me, yeah, he's pretty extreme. And so if you think that these directions are extreme, you're probably right. You think these directions are a little radical, you're probably right. Just go with it. That's God. For some of you, you have to move after the deliverance session. Move. Like literally pack your bags and move. You think if you go back that you wouldn't be able to get out? Don't go back. Leave the clothes. You'll get more. Leave the stuff. You'll get more. For some of you, you need to start looking for a new job. Because part of what you got delivered from is housed in where you work every single day. And so you need to literally start looking for a new job. Start now. And if you think that it would be too, fi too much financial hardship on yourself, guess what? It's time to trust God. If you are running for sake of your deliverance, you will always be covered. You will remain covered. He will never have you be delivered from something and then still depend on it. It is a false sense of dependence. But it pays for my phone. Go without. Give back the spoils. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 is not generally um, used as a, a deliverance scripture, but it says old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. That's a deliverance scripture. That's a deliverance scripture because what it means is you can't have the old man and the new man at the same time. That's called being a player. You can't have the old man and the new man at the same time. You don't bring your old man on a date with your new man because that's just awkward. last week and told the old man that he could stay and live in the house even though you got a new man 
and you want your old man on the couch and you want your new man sitting in the chair, you just sitting in the middle. Looking stupid. And you can't figure out why this old man won't get out your house, but you said he can live there with the new man. So eventually one of them men is gonna move out. Guess what, it's gonna be your new man. Because that old man has rights. The new man still has to earn his rights. But the old man got a stronghold for you because the old man got history with you. So you think the new man just going to take over with the old man still there? Oh, no. He going to say, you can have her. You can have her. I'm out of here. Why? Because old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You can't keep both, baby. <laughs> you can't keep both. You can't, you can't have both. You got to get rid of the old man. I know you don't even know this new man, but it's going to be all right because God gave you this new man. And so it's okay. You don't have to fall back to familiar places and familiar spaces just because it's comfortable to you. Just trust him in the new man. So we got to close all the doors. We got to lock them tight. We got to buy a deadbolt. Don't let them slip no notes under there. Don't let them send you messages through friends. And if the old man sends a message through a friend, that friend becomes an old friend. Because anybody who the old man has access to is part of the old season. And so, baby, I'm sorry, but you got to go too. I know I broke up with him, but I'm breaking up with you too. Because anybody that is leaving a crack open to the old man is part of the old season. And so, behold, all things have become new. Old things, they've all passed away. I don't care if I'm related to the old thing. I don't care if I'm childhood friends with the old thing. I don't care if the old thing made me money. I don't care if the old thing gave me stages. I don't care if the old thing gave me access. But old things have passed away, and behold. We got to make sure that as we close the door, that we buy new furniture. You, you, you can't sit on the same furniture. So now you got to fill the house. It says that he, they came back to the house and he was scoping it out because there probably was a shade or a window or a door open because otherwise he wouldn't have been able to see what was going on in there. But he got a little crack and he got a little glimpse of what was going on in there. He's like, oh, they cleaned up. They ain't put nothing in here. They cleaned up, but they still didn't start praying. They cleaned up, but now they just got idle time. Oh, they cleaned up, but they still don't read the word. They cleaned up, but they still don't worship. You, oh, wait, so you free or, or not? Or, oh, you just freed up space, but you're not really free. You just made room because before I was in here with a bunch of stuff, before I was in here with a bunch of mixture, but now it's not just room for me, but it's room for me and my friends. You have to fill the empty house. Being Christ-centered means that Christ must be central in your mind. Meditate 
on him daily. You don't know what to meditate on. Pull out your Bible. Pull up your phone. And the next time it comes up again, fill the space. You don't have room to get deliverance and then have free time on your hands. Trust me, it's a trap. Because what he'll make us do is we feel like we cleaned out the house, so we got rid of the old friends, we got rid of the old tapes, the music, what we spent our time doing. We got rid of all that stuff, and so now we end up with this void, this huge void, because now I'm not talking to them on the phone. Now I'm not going that place. Now I'm not spending my time doing that stuff, and so there's this isolation, yes, that comes with deliverance. Isolation is an unexpected consequence of deliverance. Loneliness is an unexpected consequence of deliverance. Which is why you must feel it. So you guard your thought life. Watch what you meditate on. You are only as delivered as you think you are. The minute you begin to question your deliverance, you are slowly slipping back to where you were. You must guard your thought life. You must learn to get louder than the enemy. I told my kids I was going to um, start a line of t-shirts called things my grandma used to say. My grandma was hilarious. So then when I started thinking of some of the sayings and stuff like that, I was like, well, no, the t-shirt line would be halfway inappropriate. So I was like, nah, you can really, culturally inappropriate, just a couple of things. So, you know, I was like, nah, we probably won't do a t-shirt line. But one thing my grandma used to say was the devil is a lie. And it, it was just like, it was so silly to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like the devil, I mean, she just said it out of nowhere. Like, the devil is a lie. I mean, we, like, get loud. We don't go down for nap. The devil is a lie. We run around. The devil is a lie. We break something. The devil is a lie. I mean, no matter what, the TV wasn't working. The devil is a lie. She can't find her Bible. The devil is a lie. But what she was doing, she was combating the voices in her head. She was combating the voices that come with circumstances. And so when she saw something that came against what she wanted to see, and what she knew she had the right to she called the devil out and she said the devil is a lie and he's a lion in here today the devil is a lie and for many of us we let him lie we, we let him lie because see there's only you know I know a, a, a several liars but the funny thing is about liars is the reason why they keep lying is because nobody calls them out on being a liar and so we let them lie but we don't say nothing we laugh it off we talk about them behind a bag we blow it off we roll our eyes you know what I mean and we just get really passive with liars but the more you let them lie, the more they will lie. And then their word becomes established above the word that you're declaring out of your mouth. And so lest you lose the fight, you better learn how to open up your mouth and say the devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. He trying to tell you you're not delivered. Tell him the devil is a lie. And so we study the scriptures. 
And so sometimes you don't know a scripture, so you just have to say the devil is a lie. But as you learn the scriptures, then you begin to combat him with the scriptures that come against the thing that he's trying to make you feel. So when he tries to make you feel lonely, then you come against him with the scripture that says, I know that he will never leave me nor forsake me. The devil is a lie. The devil is a lie because he said he would never leave me. The devil is a lie. Because he'll make, try to make you codependent. And so as you regularly read his word, Joshua 1 and 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. And so it's not just the meditation, but it's the declaration. So it's on your mouth, it is in your mind, and you are meditating on it day and night. Which this idea of having morning devotion or night devotion is unbiblical. The idea of choosing one time of your 24 hours that you will dedicate to the Lord is unbiblical. And so when you choose the day, then he attacks you in the night. When you choose the night, he attacks you in the day. And so what he says is never get off the wall. Forever be declaring and opening up your mouth with truths of God and who he is and what he's promised you. And so the word meditate means to murmur, to speak in an undertone. And so you're murmuring it and you're just saying it. You're, you're saying it over and over and you're declaring the fruits of the spirit and they're getting on your nerves. And you're saying love is kind and love is patient and love is long suffering. And I know you see me moving my mouth, but I'm not going to say nothing to you. I'm just going to murmur over here in the spirit. And I'm just going to say that God is deliverer and I see you right here working right here. And I see that I lost my job, but I'm just going to keep murmuring over here. He's a provider. He's a provider. He's he is the one that will not leave me out there. He is a resourceful God. That's who he is. And I just find me a good corner. I find me a good wall. And I just start murmuring to myself. And I just start meditating on the word. And I just start declaring who he is and what he's been. He's given me the power. He's given me a love and a sound mind. He's given me a sound. I know I look like I'm going crazy. But he's given me a sound mind. He's given me a sound mind. He's given me a sound mind. And I'm just saying it over and over. And I appreciate your report, doctor. But he's given me a sound mind. He's given me a sound mind. He's given me a sound mind. I appreciate your report, doctor. But by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. And because of his stripes, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And I appreciate your report. And I'm sorry you wasted your paper. But by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. And sure, I'll take the rehab appointment. But I'm going to show up and they're not going to have nothing to rehab. Because I'm healed. I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. And so you murmur and meditate. The problem is we say it once and decide it doesn't work. You know how many people I've actually talked to that say that prayer, worship, and reading the word doesn't work? I'm, I'm not talking about people outside. I'm talking about people in the church. 80%. I will ask them, absolutely. I ask them about their devotion life. Because anytime I sit down with somebody, a counseling situation, anything like that, I ask them about their devotion life. And I have had 80% of these people, and I try to talk them off the ledge, and I you know, maybe bring them down about 40%. We see how we can polish that devotion. But I have people time and time again tell me it doesn't work. They say, I, I have been. Listen, he be lying. He be lying. 
and they, and they say, yeah, I've been praying, and it just it just won't it just won't lift. It just it just won't lift. But what you're doing is you're establishing the work of the enemy above establishing the work and the word of God, because he said that I could put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and so that means that if I wake up feeling depressed, I don't default to putting the covers under my head, but I default to lifting up my hands. I default to giving him a dance. I default to declaring who he is, and I'm going to put on praise. I'm going to put on praise. I'm going to put on praise for the spirit of heaviness. But our house has been empty. We have to become filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled is dependent on faith and not your feelings. I don't care if you feel delivered. Only the devil cares if you feel delivered. Because if you can start focusing on not feeling delivered then the meditation of your heart and mind will push you in the space of not being delivered. And so I don't care if you cried. I don't care if you fell out. I don't care if you screamed. If your declaration is that you are delivered, then that is your right. That is your bread. That is what you are due. That is part of being a child of God. You are delivered. Do you think Jesus felt high in the Garden of Gethsemane? You think he felt delivered? You think he felt great? You think he felt like speaking in tongues? You think he felt like running around this room? No, because feelings have absolutely nothing to do with it. So when he was in that garden, all he could do was declare the word. And his test wasn't even over. For some of us, we're at least on the other side of it. And we still are dependent on our feelings. Trust me, your feelings are not loyal. Your emotions are not loyal. They change with the wind. This is how you got in the position that you are in. You cannot trust your feelings. You cannot trust your feelings past what the word is declaring to you. Tell your feelings to go to hell. Tell your feelings to go to hell. I don't care if you don't feel delivered. The declaration of God over your life is that you are free and free indeed. That you are free and free indeed. You don't never have to go back to the accursed thing. Why? Because that is his promise. But you must allow Holy Spirit to control your life. Every single part of you. Romans 12 says, uh, Romans 12 and 1 says, I urge you therefore, brother, by what? By the mercies of God. That you do what? That you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. As long as you keep presenting, as long as you keep showing up, as long as you keep getting in his face, as long as you keep this connection, as long as you stay your posture, you never have to depend on fear it says which is your reasonable service of worship 
We come to worship, but we don't realize that your reasonable service of worship was to present your whole body. Sessions of worship, they don't have to include songs, but they do have to include the presenting of your body. They don't have to include a fast song. They don't have to include a slow song, but they do have to include the presenting of your body, which is what? Holy and acceptable. That means what? You have to be set apart. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's getting rid of that old man that you may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. It is his will that you are delivered. It is his plan that you remain delivered. We have to become alert to the enemy's tactics. People think that when the devil speaks to them, there's something wrong with them. No, no, no. When the devil speaks to you, it's something right with you. You think the presence of the enemy can discredit who you are? And the plan that he has for your life, robbers don't show up to banks that have no money. And if he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, well, then the indication there is that you got something worth stealing, that you got something worth killing, that you got something worth destroying. And so don't look at yourself and look at what you don't have because the enemy is talking and ever present, but you declare that I have what he desires. I have something worth stealing. I am something worth killing. I am something something worth destroying one of the favorite things that the enemy likes to do is play the condemnation game and it's a game because see he'll come and he'll condemn you for something then you'll feel so bad about it that you'll slip back into that or into a new habit. And the door that is open is condemnation. And so it works kind of stupid because if when he begins to condemn you, you confess your deliverance by faith and not feelings, that's called taking responsibility for your deliverance. We've been irresponsibly delivered. Because we say if we didn't get delivered, I've heard people say it, and I don't have no stats on this one, but I have heard it a lot. I've heard people say it that the deliverance didn't work. That the session didn't work. Oh, we did it all together in the same room. It wasn't one-on-one, so it didn't work. It's a lie. And so the way that you combat that is to make sure that you confess it. James 4 and 7 says, Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And what is he going to do? Flee. It says, draw near to God. And what is he going to do? Draw near to you. It then says, cleanse your hands, you sinner. And purify your heart, you double-minded. If you don't think you're a sinner, deliverance is probably not for you. Because you're the kind of sinner that's just not even ready. If you don't think you've been double-minded or had seasons of double-minded, then it's just probably not for you. Because you have to follow the directions of the commands that he's actually giving you. And so you have to have something to submit. You don't have any sin. You don't have any ill thoughts. You don't have anything to submit. What are you going to come up under? 
And so you're submitting those things and then you use the name of Jesus. Repeat after me. All condemnation condemnation comes from Satan. Satan. I will never never believe him. him. I have been cleansed cleansed by the blood blood and through the name name of Jesus Christ. I am blood protected. I am blood protected. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, do you feel delivered? Never mind. I don't care. Only the enemy cares. You've made the declaration. And all you had to do was say the password. (laughs) All you had to do was say the password. You don't have to feel like you delivered because you are. We hear people say things like the devil is not playing with you. And he's not. But we take that as a fearful thing. But you should be empowered by that. When we say the devil is not playing with you, that should make you alert in the spirit. So don't run from the fight. Just be ready for the fight. When I was in middle school, there was a such thing as a planned fight. And then there was the on the spot flight uh, fights. And so with the planned fights, you would dress a certain way when you came to school that day. Because you knew that it was going to be a fight. With the planned fights, they would take their earrings off because they knew it was about to be a fight. And so they didn't play games. And then they took a hair tie. And then they put the hair up because you didn't want to lose no edges. And so it was a planned fight. This is a planned fight. Take your jewelry and accessories off. Dress for the occasion, baby. Because it's about to be a fight. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a fighter. I was a lover, not a fighter. I always thought I was like a little too pretty to fight. I don't want to get my face messed up. You know what I mean? But for my friends that were fighters and came from a long line of fighters, their mothers would tell them things like, you can fight, but you better win. <laughs> you can fight, but you better win. I came to tell you that's the kind of daddy we got. You can fight, but you better win. You can fight, but you better win. You better win. And at the end of the day, you may come out with scars, and you may come out with a little damage, and you may come out with a little rip, but the first question your friend asks you is what? Did you win? We are entering into a season of winning. Don't be distracted by the fight. It's going to be a fight, but the difference is that this time you're going to win. And you can't lose. You're going to win. And you can't lose. And so as soon as you feel a fight coming, 
As soon as you feel like things are getting tense, things are getting hot, things keep coming against your eye gates, they keep coming against your ear gates, you keep finding yourself in the middle of the night thinking about it again. You keep finding yourself in these close to situations or you feel like proximity, then you need to open your eyes and realize that you are coming upon a battle, that the battle is coming. And so you need to get your weapons ready. That means you start to study really, really hard hard on whatever it is that's coming against you. You have to start writing the things down. You have to start rehearsing them. Record them even if you have to declare it in a strong season and then listen back to it in a weak season because there's certain seasons where it's hard for you to even open your mouth. So whenever you're feeling strong, record it and then play it back to yourself. Make sure that you start to shut the door because the enemy, he's going to knock and he's going to knock really hard. One of the things at school when we do fire drills, we put a kid outside the door and we make the kid knock and beg the teacher to let them in. But the way that we have trained them is no matter what's happening outside the door, you have to protect what's inside the room. And so even if you hear a little baby in the hallway, a little kindergartner, he's knocking and he's saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. In emergency situations, we found that the enemy or the gunman, he will take one of the kids and he will use it as a ploy to get the door open and then when the door is open then he comes in and he takes everything in the room so it doesn't matter who or what knocks on the door don't open the door I don't care who's knocking on the door don't open the door the enemy is a tempter he's a tempter that's that's what he does Anybody know a flirt in high school? You may have been the flirt, whatever. It's okay. It's all good. Like, it's, it's all love. You know what I mean? You was the flirt. You knew a flirt. It's just all together. You know what I mean? That's the enemy. And he's tempting. He, he's like a dangler in front of the eyes. He's a whisperer in the night. He likes to get all up in your ear, make you feel all warm and cozy. And what he's doing is he is tempting you. And the more anointed you are, the stronger the temptation is. See, we allow temptation to make us feel like we don't have the oil. But the fact that the temptation is there means you dripping, baby. You dripping. You dripping, baby. You dripping. You dripping, baby. You dripping. Why? Because you got the goods. And you must always default to the truth. You must always default to the truth. So they tell you that you're cursed. No, you declare that I am blessed. You default to the truth. You don't default to what it looks like. You don't default to what you feel like, but you default to the truth. And who is the truth? He is the truth. He is the way and the truth. You have to cultivate right relationships. Two areas of a relationship. And we got to get this teaching because we're not letting our deliverance go this time. Two, two areas of relationship. One is fellowship and one is leadership. Okay? And so in the area of fellowship, you got to have your roots run deep. 
So that means that I don't care what has happened one to another. You sit in this section, he sit in that section. I don't care. But you do not allow anything to come against the fellowship or make you forsake the gathering of the brethren. Because that is one of the tools that he has given you to maintain your deliverance. So even right now, if you are in this place and you have unforgiveness, you have offense, you have hurt, anything like that, lift up your hands and let it go. Everybody lift up your hands together. That way nobody feels singled out. Ask for forgiveness right now. I don't care where it's from. I don't care if the person's here. I don't care if they're gone. But if you have any offense with anybody in the body of Christ, I don't care if they go to another church. I'm talking about let it go right now. Past pastors, past leaders, past worship leaders, past people you used to serve with. You got to let that stuff go because you will not be able to cultivate the right relationships with that still on your heart. Let it go. Because see, you thought you got delivered, but you left this unforgiveness door open. So everything you got rid of, it has a back door. This is the back door. Shut it. Shut the back door right now. Ask for forgiveness. Let it go. But they deserve to be found out. It doesn't matter. Let God give them what they deserve. Not you. It will not be at your hand because it will cost you your deliverance. It's going to cost you your deliverance. It's not worth it. Nobody knows how bad it hurt. I don't care. It, like, is it worth your whole deliverance? And so we declare forgiveness in this room. Forgiveness among the body and its believers. Every joint will supply. You have commanded us to love one another. And that that's the way that we shall be known. The church is not known at the level where it needs to be known because what's supposed to testify is not in place yet. And so we pray an increase in love walk in the body right now in the name of Jesus. It says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. That you love one another, and by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13 and 34. We love because we are commanded to, not because we feel like it. You don't love because you like the people at church. You don't love because you like the people you serve with. You don't love because you like your pastor. But you love because you have been commanded to do so. You have to remain in fellowship. You have to remain in connectivity. And here's the other side of it. Do not discuss your deliverance with people who do not believe in the deliverance ministry. That's like opening up the door for a criminal. Inviting him to come in. And have a conversation with him. There's nothing for us to discuss. Do not talk to people about your deliverance that do not believe in the ministry of deliverance. I didn't say who don't believe in this ministry. I said who do not believe in the ministry of deliverance. So I'm not saying you can only talk to people here. Who do not believe in the ministry of deliverance. Don't even discuss it with them. It's a seeping open door. 
they will be the first one to bring up anytime you fall back or anytime temptation is present because you gave them access. They're not operating outside of their right. The conversation that you have with them grants them access. It says in the body, do not be deceived. In the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Loyalty, good times, longevity, godparents of your children is not worth your deliverance. Do not be deceived. You know why that part is there? Because people will be deceived <laughs> into thinking that bad company doesn't corrupt. But it says evil company corrupts good habits. I didn't say evil interaction. You don't have to go in a house in a tunnel and not speak to anybody. But having company is different than having acquaintance. When you was having company to the house, what did you do? You opened the door. You let them come in. When you was acquaintance, we saw you in the street and we said, hey. But how many of y'all know everybody can't come to the house? You know what I mean? So let's talk about having company with them. The second area of that right relationship is leadership and covering. Um, it says in Ephesians that God gave um, gifts to these um, officers of the body for the equipping of the saints. That's where your equipping is. The enemy would not like anything better than to bring strife between you and your leader. The enemy would not like anything better to, than to bring offense between you and your leader. This is why people will have offense with leaders and the people that are over them that they can't even explain. And I've heard people say it before. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's the enemy. It'll make you act out on something you can't even explain. It'll make you believe something that you can't even pinpoint examples of. Or when you say it out of your mouth, it doesn't make sense to anybody except for you. Because he's bringing strife between you and your covering. It says that the enemy, he's, that he's out there roaring, seeking who, whom he can devour. You know the easiest little sheep for him to devour is the one that's off in isolation. Because if you're not flocked up, you're more susceptible. If you walk on the outskirts of being in the body, so when the herd moves, you're moving, but you're really over here, really distant, that's who he's seeking to devour. You got to stop being on the outskirts of the flock and be in. Know the tactic of the enemy. Repeat after me. Correction, Correction. is my daily Dose of love. I love the rod of judgment. I love the rod of judgment. I receive it from God. I receive it from my leaders. And I receive it from my peers that are actively following Christ. I break covenant with offense, rejection, and pride. Those who, love me, Those who love me, chasten me. Those who aid me in wrong, hate me. If they 
they won't correct you or tell you you're going the wrong way, they hate you. They may hate you on purpose. They may hate you on accident, but it doesn't matter. Hate is hate, baby. And if you never received correction from them or individual, they do not love you. Because that is biblical love. Obey your leaders, Hebrew 13 says. And it's not about me, but it's about you. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. Don't you bring strife into it. Not for their sake. They'll most likely be covered. I got a strong front line. I'm feeling real covered these days. But the Bible says it would be unprofitable for you. So we got to walk in humility and we got to keep cleaning. We clean the house on Saturdays. Every Saturday, Saturday, every week Saturday comes. If we happen to have something to do outside the house, the kids cheer. Because they know they're going to get out of it maybe for a day or two. But don't be so immature to think that cleaning your house one time is enough. Depending on how many people live there or have lived there. Listen, says the person with all the kids, you know what I mean? Because the more people we get in this house, it seems like laundry. I mean, So depending on call, depending on what got cleaned out of that thing, you have to stay humble and keep cleaning. Don't be discouraged because you still got to clean. Don't feel bad because now you see something else. It's just that a strong man may have been standing in the way. And now you see all these other little things. Guess what? It's going to be easier this time around. And you're just going to keep cleaning. And you're just going to keep cleaning. And you're going to be, be grateful that you have a house, a body that can be cleaned. I thank God for having a house to clean. But pride will tell you that you're good now. Pride will tell you, you don't have to have it every time. Pride will tell you, there's no prevalent sin. I mean, you're not like actively doing anything. Yeah, you are. You're walking in pride. <laughs> there will always be something, which is why you remain low. Pride will tell you you're exempt from the rule. Pride will tell you that you could stand in front of fire and not get burned. Pride will even tell you about a, a Bible story where they stood in the fire and didn't get burned. <laughs> it will. Pride will tell you. But there's a difference between you putting yourself in the fire and God putting you in the fire. You put yourself in that fire, you will be burned, baby. You are not fireproof. And so you remain low. God opposes the proud. And he tells us that he is the vine, we are the branches. And that if you remain in him, that means you can't like get the deliverance and then move on. You got to remain in him. Then you bear much fruit. There is fruit coming on the other side of this deliverance. 
But you got to realize that very last part, he says, for without me, you can do nothing. Some of us, we haven't sustained our deliverance because we thought we got it in and out of ourselves. I mean, we was proud too. Like, mm, I fasted 21 days, got rid of all these devils. I am proud. This is the first fast I ever did stay committed to. Well, I fell off a couple of days, but I overall stayed committed. But pride will make you feel like you earned it or that you did something. You made room for it, but it was by his mighty hand. The last thing I want you to declare, I am progressing. I am not going back. I am becoming freer and freer, not more bound. I am walking in the light and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Evil spirits are not coming back. By my faith and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Other spirits within me now are being stirred up, are being aggravated, are being driven out because now their time has come. I will not walk in fear. I will not walk in timidity. For as I was free the first time, I will be free again. We bless your name, Jesus. We thank you because you are the deliverer.